getting more Bible reading going on, so that's why we do it. All right. This morning we begin uh, what's going to be a four-part series that I've entitled Rim to Rim. And it's based on the fact that I'm a manly man. And I have accomplished a great accomplishment. And from now on, I will be introducing myself to people not as, Hi, I'm Carl. I'm the pastor of Cornerstone. From now on, when I meet somebody, I'll be walking up to them and saying, Hello, my name's Carl. I walked across the Grand Canyon in a single day. Liked it so much that the next day, I walked back again. What have you done lately? I'll be printing that on my business cards. I will be bragging about it from now until the day I die. Get used to it. I'm actually only half joking with that. I'm no, I, that actually, what happened about a month ago was I did. I, and I wasn't planning on doing much talking about it, didn't even talk all that much in, in the general congregation about it beforehand. But while you're walking across the Grand Canyon, it took 10, 10 hours the first day, it took a little over 11 the second day, because I was tired the second day. Um, and while you're walking and walking and walking, you have a, your mind has a chance to think about a lot of things, especially when you're in the middle of one of God's greatest, grandest, most glorious creations. Um, and so as I'm walking through just different things and thoughts and ideas and, and passages of scripture would pass through my mind and I had a lot of chance to, to ponder them. Uh, and while I was pondering, and a lot of them were scripture verses, um, I'm like some of you. I know a lot of scripture verses, but I'm not really good at remembering their addresses. Anybody else have that problem? I hear a verse and I go, oh man, is that Philippians? Is it Ephesians? I don't know. It sounds like one of something Paul would say. Let's go check that. I can never remember the, the address. I can never remember the verse, chapter, and, and, and number. I just, it just So I get home and I've got all these verse ideas in my head and I start looking up thinking I'm going to find ten verses and it finds out they're almost all in two passages. It was just kind of where the Lord just kind of directed me. And so we're going to talk over the next, uh, these four weeks, over the, the Philippians passage today and then from, this, from the end of today on through the next three weeks out of Hebrews chapter 12 is really... Uh, where we're going to be. So you got your Bibles. You're going to want to hold them open to uh, Philippians chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll, um, we'll get you there. Philippians, 13, you'll, you'll, uh, Philippians 3, you'll find on page 816. And uh, Hebrews 12, you'll pi- find um, on a page beyond that, because I didn't write it down. There are some great parallels to a life walk of faith that you have when you take a big walk like I took through the Grand Canyon. And in case you're thinking, oh, the pastor's just going to get up and talk about Grand Canyon, that's not spiritual. Well, Jesus did it all the time. They, called, they were called parables. So he'd watch somebody, you know, um, sowing seed in the field, and he'd use a parable to tell them how that was like the kingdom of God. He'd go to a wedding, and he'd say, hey, the kingdom of God is like a wedding, and let me tell you how. And so that's all I'm doing. I'm kind of doing what Jesus did. Hey, the walk of faith through our life is kind of like a walk across the Grand Canyon, let me tell you how. And that's what we're going to walk through for the next... Uh, for the next few weeks. We're calling it rim to rim because that's the walk that I took is called a rim to rim because you start on the south rim and the first day you walk to the north rim that's 22 miles and then the next day you start on the north rim and you walk back to the south rim and that's 23.9 miles and there are different mileage each day. We'll tell you why in another week when we get to that point of it. But we're going to start first of all on day one and we'll throw up a couple pictures along the way. That first of all is not me there. That's just a picture I found on online somewhere. But the next picture is me. That's me. If we can drop a little bit of light so you can see that. That's me uh, standing there having no idea what I'm about to get myself into. That's at the top of what's called the South Kaibab Trail. 
And out here you can see that rim there. That's not the rim we're going to. You see that rim there? That's not the rim we're going to. See that rim barely back there? You can't quite see it. That's where we're heading. And we go down, along, and up. There'll be another picture later that will show it to you a little bit more. But uh, that, that's at the beginning. That's 5 a.m. on Friday morning, ready to head down and uh, see, if, uh, see if I'll be able to uh, survive and call my family the next night and tell them, I'm alive, I made it through. The trip itself, when you take it, is actually in three parts. It's one-third down, it's one-third across, and one-third up. That, along with the preparation, which is what we'll talk about today, will make up the four-part series. So it'll be today about the preparation, next week about the beginning of the trip, then about that long middle stretch of the trip, and then on the fourth Sunday, we're going to talk about that final one up. So it's a third, a third, a third, down, across, and up, and I'll let you guess which of those thirds is the toughest to do. You will be right if you guess. All right. Especially that last third on that last day. Oh, I get the chills when I think about it. When we're talking about a rim to rim for life, it's tempting to think that the starting rim would be our birth and that our ending rim would be death, right? And that we're going to learn how to walk from life to death in the proper way. The, the, the thing is, it doesn't really parallel that because guess what? You can die on the way to the second rim. And in the Grand Canyon, every year people do. Uh, who go and do it unprepared and don't really have an idea of what it is they're about to to start. So in life, what are the rims to rims of a walk of faith? And uh, starting with this question, this is really where we'll spend our time this morning. When does a walk of faith really begin? To do that, we're going to go to Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians 3, in the Bibles we gave you on page 8, 16, like I told you, the Apostle Paul is talking and he loves using illustrations uh, that are sports metaphors and about walks and runs and even boxing at one point, the Apostle Paul talks about. Philippians 3, beginning with verse 13, says this, Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is, be- what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul says, there is a walk that we are to take. There is a destination for us to arrive at. And there is a beginning point for that destination. For me, my walk across the Grand Canyon did not begin when I stood on the edge of the canyon. When we were walking through it, we walked past several people who obviously, because of their physical condition as we walked past them, obviously they came to the edge of the canyon one day because they were going to visit and said, you know what, I think I'll try to walk down there. And you could tell partway through the day who did that and who prepared because let me tell you, there were some hurting people and every single year they helicopter at least 250 people out of there and they only do it if you are literally at the point of death. If it's just because you're tired and you can't get out that night, tough. You've got to hoof it out. Uh, but it's, it's amazing what people uh, try to do. So my, my walk did not begin at the beginning, at, at standing on the rim of the Grand Canyon l- looking down at it. My walk began... Uh, about 10 months ago, 10, 11 months ago from, from today, when we were visiting uh, my mother-in-law in Oregon, and we'd become good friends with her pastor and, and, and her pastor's wife, and we were out to dinner one night with them, and they were asking some of the stuff. We were sharing each other what's been happening in your life this past year, and I mentioned how I'd t- taken a couple trips. I'd been out to Joshua Tree, and I'd, I've been doing a lot of hiking lately and getting out there and enjoying things like hiking, hiking up a, a mountain in Joshua Tree and back again or hiking out to an oasis and just I've been enjoying nature hiking lately. And he said, oh, man, then you've got to hear about this. I know some guys. And for like the last 20 years, every year, they walk across the canyon in one day, and they've been bugging me to go. The moment he said that, my life changed. 
The moment he said that, I went, that's for me. That's for me. That's, that's my deal. I want to do that. So I said to him, next time they call and bug you, tell them yes, call me and we'll go together. That moment, the moment he said that was for me a big event because it was a move from ignorance to knowledge. I didn't even know you could walk across the Grand Canyon in one day. I didn't think anybody had ever done that. I didn't know it was even possible. And the moment I heard it was possible, I went, that's for me. Which brings us to our first point. The walk begins the moment we know there's a walk to walk. And yes, I'm being repetitive in that on purpose. Our first rim is really the decision to look beyond ourselves. That's where the walking begins. Even if the faith is minimal at this point. At some point in our, in our lives, we come to events, we come to moments in our spiritual lives where something happens and it takes us out from our normal everyday stuff and we look up and we go, oh, there's that now. The first three words there, forgetting, first four words, forgetting what is behind it's like there are, there are moments in our lives where everything shifts. And we have those every once in a while. Spiritually, maybe it happens because you, you talk to somebody and they say something that you, in a way you never thought of before. Wow, maybe that is possible. Or maybe it's when somebody dies or a big life event happens and it makes you think about things beyond the everyday earning money and raising the kids and getting to and from work, beyond the everyday things. And something happens that makes us look back and see something bigger than it was before. And from that moment, Our lives are different. We kind of forget what is behind and we have something new to look forward to. From that moment, when that happens to you and that spiritual epiphany hits, from that moment on, you have a choice. Because from that moment on, your life will never be the same. As an example, from the moment I heard that these guys walked across the Grand Canyon, I knew for me, I now would be one of two people from that day on. I would either be the guy who walked across the Grand Canyon or I would be the guy who had the chance and chickened out. I would be one of those two people. For me, that was, that was a moment for me. And spiritually, the Lord gives us those moments where we've been wandering through and we've heard all kinds of other stuff, but all of a sudden, this one thing in this one way registers with our heart, with our spirit, and we know God has just laid something out before me. And from this point on, I will be different. I will either be the person who accepts what God laid out for me or who rejects it. We talked, we were joking about it earlier, but it's true, about Joanna. And last September, she felt the call of God to come to Cornerstone. She knew she was supposed to come. Now, others heard about Cornerstone and that same thing, and everybody else was just, nah, not for me, not for me, and it wasn't for them. But she knew it was for her. And for months, she fought against God. It's not for me, I'm not going to go, it's not my thing. Until finally, she had to, she had to give in and, and came. If she hadn't, she'd go through the rest of her life as the person who turned God down in this area. But instead, she said, no, I'm going, to, I'm going to say yes to the Lord, and then you see the things that God can do. It's not that Cornerstone's the answer for everybody, but it was the place for now for her, just like it was for the other interns. And they had that option, they had that choice. And God gives us all different starting points. But there are those moments when from this point on, your life will be determined as the person who did or the person who didn't. The starting rim, another way to put it, is this. The starting rim is the knowledge that there's more to life than what I've already experienced. Like it says, the verse there starts with forgetting what is behind. From that point on, what is behind is gone. I'm no longer just the person of those experiences. I now have a new vista laid out for me, something I never knew was there before. And from now on, my life will be at least in some way judged by me and by God by whether or not I said yes to him or said no to him at that moment. 
Now, again, I'm not putting this whole idea of, on a, like, for me, the moment I heard about the Grand Canyon Walk, I was either going to be a success or a failure at it. It would never be the same from that point on. I'm not putting that on you, because here's the next truth. You need to walk the walk God gave us to walk. And the key word is us. Or you could change it to me for yourself. We are not all meant to walk the Grand Canyon. It was my moment when I heard that. I've heard about a lot of crazy things people have done. I've heard about people bungee jumping. Pass! I do not sit here and consider myself the person who failed and chickened out at bungee jumping. Not for me, thank you very much. It just wasn't that moment for me, okay? This was that moment for me. I would either be a success or a failure at this from the moment I heard about it. And so there are different things, and we all have different starting points. Some things aren't for me, but other things are. And when we recognize that thing that God lays there for me, then I have that choice to make. But we need to walk the, the, the walk that God gave us to walk. And here's where it's laid out for us. Hebrews 12.1. In the middle of that verse, it says this. Let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. We'll get to that next week about walking light. But here's the point for, the, for today. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. If you're a Bible underliner, underline those four words, marked out for us. That's what we're going to look at for the next couple of moments. God has a race God has a journey. God has a, a walk marked out specifically for you. Your walk, and it's nobody else's walk. Your starting point will be different than anybody else's starting point, and your walk will be different than anybody else's walk because it's marked out for you by God himself. Hebrews 12.1 in the Living Bible puts it this way, let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. Okay, for you, the starting point of faith was something different than it was for me. For me, my starting point of faith was very clear. I was six or seven years of age. We were at the Stone Church in Toronto where my dad was the pastor. The adults were having some kind of big crusade or evangelistic thing or whatever. It was a Friday night and they had some big speaker coming in. And the kids were in the kids' room. It was actually in the basement of the church. And they had brought in for that week, they brought in a Christian magician. And he'd do simple tricks like put in the black rag resembling our sin, put in the red rag resembling the blood of Christ, pull out a white one resembling how clean we are when Jesus cleanses from our sins. And we'd all the kids that there go, oh, wow, it was amazing. A week from Wednesday, we're going to close out our year in children's ministries on a Wednesday night, a week from Wednesday with a Christian magician coming in and doing the same kind of things. And when I heard Trish had booked that, my heart just kind of melted because I remembered when I saw that at the end of his whole thing, he stood up and he said very simple words. He said, well, now... We're going to ask you if you want to accept Jesus into your heart because it's something that you need to do for yourself. You may have parents who go to this church. Your parents may even be ministers. But you have to make the decision for yourself whether or not you're going to follow Jesus. And at that moment, it hit me and I realized that's true. I probably had heard that dozens of times before. I've been in church all my life. Literally, first week I was born, I was in a, in a bassinet on the organ bench while my mom played the organ. I mean, that's... <laughs> I was literally born while my dad was preaching a sermon. It's true. Um, I mean, you couldn't be more church than me. I heard that how many times? And what, that was my moment. I heard it and it registered with me on a very deep level. And I realized, I haven't done that for myself. I haven't made that choice for me yet. And when he had the altar call, I walked up and I bowed down there as a six or seven year old boy and I gave my heart to Jesus. And guess what? I have been plodding along ever since. See, I realize that physically, 
I'm different than some and you're different than me. Physically, I've never been much of an athlete, never been fast, never been coordinated, never been strong. But I can plod. I can just keep on going. You're never going to wear me down. I've got endurance. You think you can outlast me? Good luck. Right? And I just keep on walking. My walk of faith has been this since the time I was six or seven. And four or five years ago, we were able to go back to Toronto just before that building was torn down. I was able to take my kids down to that little room. So this is the place. And ever since I nailed down right there, I've been walking, plodding. Look back at my life. Haven't accomplished any great spiritual feats. Never had thousands of converts. Never written great books. Done big conventions. Never done any of those... But in the last, you know, 40, 41 years since then, I've just put one foot in front of another. And I think I've touched some people's lives. And I know I've grown closer to Jesus. It's not always been uphill. Some of it's been downhill. But I've never stopped walking. So don't despise small starts. There's a reason why we put so much time and energy into children's ministry here. Because a child of six or seven who bows their knee at an altar... For a great many of them, that will stick with them for the rest of their lives. It will change who they are. It will change their destiny. Now for you, you may be a different type of spiritual walker than me. You may not be the plotter. You may have more ups and downs. Have you ever noticed how some of the people who do some of the greatest things for God also have the greatest downs? Take a look at the Old Testament, for instance. You get some of the prophets, and one moment they're, 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 thousands are getting saved or they're converting an entire city or, 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 and the next minute they're crouched in a cave in the fetal position going, God, why me? What's going on? I don't get it. Right? And it's, it's these huge ups and these huge downs, and maybe your spiritual life is going to be one of huge ups and huge downs. Maybe you're more spiritually coordinated than I am and you're going to do some spectacular things that other people look at and go, wow, that's amazing. How'd they do that? And then long periods of dryness between those amazing spots. And maybe some of you are going to be plodders like me. Hard to measure the steps, hard to see what's being accomplished, but I'm just going to keep going. Eventually I'll be able to look back and go, okay, yeah, I've done some distance. We all have to know who we are. God has a race. He has a path marked out for you. Yours is different than mine. So all of our walks start at a different place. All of our walks are different from each other, but the walk is not our choice. The only choice we have is to walk the walk God has marked out or to walk a different walk that God has not marked out. But God has something specific for every single one of us. He's built us in a way to walk in a way that is his and ours that's right for us. So we need to find that. When we do it, we need to stay on that path. I'm a spiritual plotter. You may not be. All right, let's move to the next one. What about the finish? That kind of gets us the starting, the walk. What about the finish? How do we know from the beginning what's going on? Here's the next point. When you find out where you're going before you begin. Now the question, okay, how do I know where I'm going before I start? Well, even scientists, if they're going to do experiments, part of the rule is you've got to figure out what you intend to achieve before you begin it. You don't just start stuff randomly and see what happens. You've got to have a goal in mind or nothing in life will ever be achieved. Here's another slide just as a quick example of the, the walk. This is the only two we'll show today here. 
This is me about a third of the way down that trail that I was at at the early slide right there. And again, here you can uh, see the trail or where we're going to go a little bit more clearly. Down here behind this rock, way, way down there is the Colorado River. That's where we're walking to. Then we walk along basically this trail here. We make a turn there. And then about here, but behind this, we actually start walking up. And we end up hitting not there, but this rim only behind this, right about there, is about where we're going to end up. Yeah, it's even more intimidating when you're standing right there. And you look down and you go, oh my, I'm going to do what? But it was important for us to get there and to see where we were going to go. Jesus, we talked about it a few, about a month or so ago when we were talking about the, the story of Jesus and the storm with the disciples. And we said the important point for the disciples to remember in the middle of the storm was Jesus did not say, let's go out in the boat. Jesus did not say, let's go on a cruise. Jesus did not say, let's go out into a storm. Jesus said, let's go across the lake to the other side. And it was because they had a destination that they knew that they could make it through. And then Jesus, of course, stood up, he calmed the storm, because he had a place to take them. And he's going to take us where he tells us he's going to take us. So we need to find out where we're going to go. So what's our goal in life? What's the spiritual rim that we're heading towards? Philippians 3 again, we'll look back at this verse we started with. We keep coming back to it. Forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal. There is a goal. To win the prize. There is a prize. So there is an end game in mind for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So this verse is saying, God, through Christ Jesus, has given us a goal. He's given us a prize. He's given us a rim towards which we're aiming. But what is that goal? He actually states that goal before these verses in Philippians 3, verses 8 through 10, where he says this, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ. I want to know Christ. That's the end rim in our spiritual walk. It's to know Jesus and to be known by him. See, if we see our rim to rim as birth to death, then it's only about the journey. See, other religions, that's the way they look at life. Life is The rim to rim of life for any other religion is birth to death. And so that's why other religions always talk about it's all about the journey. It's not about a destination. It's not where you're going. It's all about the journey. Have you heard that before from other religious backgrounds and so on? It's all about the journey. It's, all, it's not all about the journey. Your journey matters. We'll talk about that next week. But it's not all about the journey. Where you're going counts. Where you're planning to end up matters. Because it impacts your journey. And guess what? There is an end game. There is a place to go and a place to avoid going. And the end result is to know Jesus. That's what it's all about. It's not just about the journey. We have to know where we're going. So how do we know where we're going before we begin, if we've never been there before? A couple of ways that we know. First of all, read and follow the guidebook. As soon as I knew I was going, I got online, bought a book, Hiking Grand Canyon. Figured that was a pretty good place to start. Very good book. Got all the different trails in here and all the trails we're going to walk on and it tells you where the trail starts, where it ends, how long it is, how often you're going to see water stops along the way, what kind of elevation it'll be, what the angle of terrain is, uh, what kind of stuff you should bring along, things you should do, things you should avoid doing. I read through this thing. I got it underlined. You can see I got tabs in it. I know everything about it. The, the, the maps are in here. I knew this book about those trails end to end before I even saw the Grand Canyon to begin the walk. We do have a guidebook. It was written 
to give us the guidance we need, to give us a picture of what is ahead, to give us an understanding of how to get there. Read and follow the guidebook. One of the reasons we put Bible study helps on our new website is because to know how to read this book is so critical in our understanding of our spiritual walk and how we're going to get there. Read the guidebook. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Let's start from the very, very beginning of Hebrews 12.1. Hebrews 12.1 begins this way. Therefore, now you know, if you've been around Cornerstone for any length of time, you know when we see a word therefore, we need to find out what it's there for. The word therefore is a backwards pointing word. Therefore means since we've just seen what we've seen, this links it to what's coming next. So you can't just start with the therefore. The therefore points back to something. And what does it point back to? Well, Hebrews 12 is what we're studying. So it points back to Hebrews... Yeah, very good. Good at math. It points back to Hebrews 11. And what's Hebrews 11 all about? It's what we call the faith chapter. What Hebrews 11 is, Hebrews 11 is cliff notes on the Bible. It starts with Adam, or it starts with Abraham, right? starts right back at the beginning in Genesis and it goes through all the great people of faith and why they were people of faith until the end, near the end of the list, the writer to Hebrews finally goes, man, I don't even have time to tell you about this person, this person, this person, this person, this person, and I wish I did. And, it's got the, and it, it, is, it is the entire Old Testament in one chapter. And so what he's saying with the therefore is, since you understand what the Old Testament means, which at the time he wrote this was the only Bible they had. So he's pointing back to scripture. He's pointing back to all the people of faith in the scriptures. So therefore, since all these people of faith have gone before us and we've read about them in the scriptures, therefore, we can take this next step. Okay, so we need to read and follow the guidebook. And then he's talking about all these people and that leads us to the next point of how we know where we're going. Go with a team that's been this way before. He lists all these people who have done this walk. And then he says, therefore, when you do the walk, and we'll see what he says about them in a moment, but you've got to go with a team that's been this way before. If, if, you know, if you hear this series and you say, man, I'd like to walk the Grand Canyon, the absolute first number one rule about it that please I must do as a disclaimer because I will save your life by this one is do not attempt it by yourself. If you attempt it at all, it is seriously dangerous stuff. And when people first heard I was going to do this, they would look at me like, you're going to do what? And then I'd say, relax. I'm going with a group of people who've done it like 20 times. And I would lay out, here's how they're going to do it. And everybody would go, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. That's reasonable. It's still heavy stuff. It still had to be massive training and so on. But we went seven, seven, seven of us all together went. Four of them had walked the canyon at least a dozen times. Three of them had walked the canyon more than 20 times. One of them had run across it once. And guess which guy they stuck me with? First day I was with him the whole day. And I kept up. He didn't run. Because I wouldn't have been able to do that. Second day he took off running and I just went, see ya. And I did, I see him at the very end because he was, yeah, he just finally, he said, I've had it hanging with you and he went. (laughs) He didn't actually say it, he just did it, yeah. 
go with a team that's been this way before. They knew what they were doing. They, they, they knew the supplies. They had a driver going around to meet us on the other side who could take people back the second day if they couldn't do it and so on. They, they, we stayed in hotels on each rim. We didn't have to pack tents and all this other stuff. They, they knew what they were doing, and it made sense to do it. I went with a team that's been there before. Now, let's take a look at what the Bible says about this team that's been there before in Hebrews chapter 11. After it lists all these people, there's this little section that I'd never seen before. And maybe I had obviously I'd seen it before because I've been reading it, but all of a sudden with Grand Canyon in mind, it jumped out at me. Hebrews 11.38, it says this about the Old Testament saints. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Isn't that amazing? What's it saying there? What's the point of that? What the point of it is this. They wandered so we don't have to. That's what it's saying. Follow these people because they did the wandering and now we don't have to. At some point, somebody walked through the Grand Canyon for the first time. And I guarantee you, they got lost. I guarantee you, they got the wrong place. Okay, got to back up over here. Let's mark it for the next person. And every time you go where somebody's walked before, the path is that much clearer, that much easier to follow. You make that many fewer mistakes. It's amazing how many people go out there and think they're going to do it all by themselves and not have to listen to anybody else who's gone before. There are people who've gone before us on every single walk of faith we walk. You will never go anywhere spiritually that nobody has ever walked before. Somebody has always done it before you. And if God has marked that path out for you, he will bring along with you somebody who has walked that path before you who will help you with it, who will guide you so you can learn from their mistakes, learn from what they did right, learn from what they did wrong. They wandered, they got lost, so that we don't have to. But now, since they've been this way, take a look at what they can do for us. That's the backwards look at the therefore. Now let's start looking forward from the therefore. Hebrews 12.1 again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's just pause right there. Who's the great cloud of witnesses? It's the therefore, it's the people in 11. What's it saying? What it's saying is this. When you take a step of faith, Abraham is in the grandstands going, Yes! David is high-fiving Ezekiel, going, Look at that guy go, Yeah! Esther is sitting there going, You go, girl. (laughs) They're cheering you on. We are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. In fact, uh, Hebrews 12, 1 in uh, the Living Bible, puts it this way. Since we have such a huge crowd of men of faith watching us from the grandstands. They're there. They're surrounding us. They're a part of us. They've gone before us. And not only have they gone before us, but now from heaven's perspective, they're a part of us. They're with us. One of the reasons we have something like a water baptism that we did today is because water baptism and that ceremony that Jesus, first of all, commanded us to do ties us to those who have gone before in this long, beautiful link of faith that God has laid out for us. We did not invent the wheel ourselves. We stand on the shoulders of giants, and when we go through water baptism and communion, the two ceremonies Jesus gave us to do, we acknowledge that we are a part, a link in that extraordinary faith chain that has been laid out before us, and we link ourselves to them, and we gain strength from them, and we gain faith from them, and they're cheering us on, and they're with us, and they've learned lessons before that we can learn from. When you step out in faith, they're there cheering us on and giving us faith. Their lives act as an example that actually strengthens us. Take a look at it again, Hebrews 12:1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, jump ahead a little, let us run with perseverance. The race marked out before us, and here's where we'll conclude with this morning on. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. 
Before you get there, you've got to fix your eyes on where you're going. Where are we going? There's the goal again. It's Jesus. That's where my true walk of faith begins. See, you can do a lot of walking looking for faith before. From the moment I heard about it, I, had, I, I, I spent six months in training. I went, I went home. I looked at my treadmill. I pressed it all the way up as high as the angle would go, 10%, and then I shoved bricks under the front of it. So the thing's angled like this. And every day I got on that thing, and every day I walked minimum six or seven miles. A couple times I walked 12 to 20 miles in a day, just plodding uphill. But I hadn't done any walking of faith until I started on the rim of the canyon itself. I'd been walking, I'd been preparation. And a lot of people do that in faith. We wander around, checking this out, experimenting with that, seeing what's out there faith-wise. And, and then they arrive at Jesus. And it's like standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon and you go, oh, oh, that's what it's about. I mean, I've been on other walks before, but oh my. That's what it's like when you really see Jesus for the first time. You can look at other great philosophers, other great religious leaders, other people, and okay, that's good, I'll take a little bit of that. When you really get catch up sight of who Jesus is, if he doesn't take your breath away, you just haven't been looking closely enough. Faith begins when we fix our eyes on Jesus. Here's what literally happened as the band comes out to prepare. My friend that I went along with who talked to me in Oregon at the beginning, he had never been to the Grand Canyon before. So we get there the first day. And he stands there. And all of us have been there multiple times. But still, every time you go, it's still like, every time this place gets me, it's just so extraordinary. But he's standing there going, guys, I can't believe I'm standing at the Grand Canyon. Two minutes later, I can't believe I'm standing at the Grand Canyon. Three minutes later, I can't believe I'm standing at the Grand Canyon. We go set up at a really nice restaurant. The restaurant has a panoramic view. We're sitting there eating, and he keeps eating going, I can't believe I'm eating looking out at the Grand Canyon. <laughs> you know, he's going on and on and on, and we're all sitting there cool like, yeah, 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 whatever. On the inside, of course, we're feeling exactly the same thing. We're just too cool for the room to say it, right, you know. We've seen that before. On the inside, we're going, I know, dude, this is amazing. And then he looks at it. We get out there a little bit later, and we ask one of the guys, so where is it we're going? And that's when he points out, he says, you see that rim way over there? We go, yeah. That's not it. (laughs) See the rim farther than that to the left? Yeah, that's not it. (laughs) You see the rim behind that and over behind? You can't quite see it, but around over there, the one... I don't really... Yeah, I know. It's kind of fuzzy because it's so far away. That's it. That's where we're going to go. You can't even see it. At night, we came back and had to go to another section of the, of the South Rim. So it's come out at night because you can see it then. We come out at night and we look down and there's a pinprick of light. He says, that is a huge restaurant, hotel, and lodge. It's like a mini village over there. And all you can see is a bare pinprick. That's where we're going. Now, I'd read all the stuff. I'd talked to people before. But until you stand and with your own eyes see it, it doesn't hit you. And at that point, reality hits and awe just starts to come into us. That's a small picture of the difference between reading about and knowing Jesus. I've noticed this. When people get introduced to Jesus as he really is, they tend to like him. And more than that, they tend to be in absolute awe of him. 
so maybe this morning you've been hearing about Jesus for a while. Maybe spiritually you've been standing on the edge and maybe every Sunday you come back just to look at it again and go, yeah, that's kind of cool, and then you walk away for the rest of the week. Come back next Sunday, stand on the rim again and go, yeah, that Jesus, he's pretty cool. That's nice, isn't it? And walk away. And right now is your moment where God is speaking to you, saying, no, no, no more. Quit standing on the edge of the rim. It's time for you to step in. It's time for you to go deep. I've got a path marked out for you. And you've been standing at the beginning of it for too long. It's time for you to step in. It's time for you to walk. It's time for you to go deep. Now for some of you, that may mean a first time salvation. Maybe you've been exploring different kinds of ways of faith and you don't really know where to go. I've got to tell you, you're not going to beat Jesus. Let me just put it that way. It doesn't get bigger than the Grand Canyon and he's the Grand Canyon of them all. You want to walk of faith, pick Jesus. Or maybe you've been a Christian, but it's just been that. It's been kind of observing from the outside. And today is that moment where God is speaking specifically to you and going, and from this point on, you will either be the person who says, yes, I'm going to take a deeper step of faith than I've ever taken before, or you will be the person who said no to me. And if that's where you are, let me plead with you. Say yes. It's the only way to go. Let's stand together. What we're going to do in these closing moments is we're going to worship together. And if you are in that place where you've been standing on an edge and the Lord is speaking to you that it's time to step in, I want to pray for you. So we're going to take a few moments and what we're going to do is we're going to give you an opportunity to just come and stand across the front here. And I'm going to come across, take as much time as it needs, and pray for every single person who comes forward that the Lord will honor the faith that it takes to step forward, the need that you acknowledge when you step forward. And the Lord will give you the faith to meet that need. Others are going to come and I'm going to encourage you. If you see someone you know or someone the Lord just leads you to pray for, come forward, come and lay a hand on their shoulder and pray for them too. But let's do it. It's time to step in. Let's take the step of faith now. Let's worship and do it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wider than we can possibly imagine, deeper than we can fathom greater than anything we've dared to even think about before. Not a description of some canyon we can walk through here on earth. It's the ultimate description of your love beyond any boundaries. Greater than anything we certainly deserve. But Lord, you have offered it to us free and clear. Lord, I pray for every single person who came forward who opened a door in their heart for you to step into so that they can step into a greater, deeper walk with you than they've experienced before. Help us to forget the every day that was behind and to look forward to something new and great in you. Help us to continue to say yes. It is just plodding one foot after another. Help us not to give up. But help us to keep going. Thank you, Lord, that you have made out that walk for us. May we walk it clearly and freely. And may we know your presence along the way. Thank you for it, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless everybody. Have a great day. Don't forget, we got burritos out here. You can eat them now or you can take them home, freeze them, and enjoy them later.
Hi there. If my voice sounds familiar because you've just been listening to a message from me, my name's Carl Vaders. If the voice you're hearing now is different from the voice you just heard, well, either way, the message you just heard was preached at Cornerstone Christian Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. And we're just tagging this on to the end of, in case you got a copy of a copy of a copy of something, and I'm not sure where it came from. Cornerstone Christian Fellowship is located at 17575 Euclid Street in Fountain Valley, California. You can get a hold of us through the phone number 714-962-5412 or check us out on the web at cornerstonefv. That's cornerstonefv for fountainvalley.com.